Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's the Autosport Podcast. We meet legendary Indy 500 mechanic Eamon Chalky Fullerlove to talk Clark, Foyt and Andretti. Well, it's the month of May, and that means the Indianapolis 500 is coming up. Lots of interest in that race with Fernando Alonso returning there to take on his, his second attempt at the race. But we're going to look a little bit backwards and speak to uh, a legend of the Indianapolis 500, someone who has, who has worked with uh, some of the most famous drivers, someone who knows what it takes to, to win that race, and, and someone who, I should say, needs no introduction, but, I, but I'm going to give him an introduction and ask him to give a bit of, of, of an overview. Well, I'm your host, Ed Straw. My guest is uh, Eamon Fullerlove, Chalky. So just tell us a little bit about yourself. Obviously, you're associated with Lotus and, and Jim Clark. You've got a, a picture on the wall of the, of the, the great man himself. Give us a little bit of an overview yeah, of where I you started. I started at Lotus in uh, 1965, June 1965. And um, when I showed up Monday morning to work, I was waiting there for the, open to get the, the shop to open. And this trailer backed in, and on the back of it was Jim Clark's winning IndyCar. And as soon as I saw that, I thought, that's definitely where I want to be. So um, I just started there looking after the truck and um, 
when the people would go racing, Al McCall said, sit down at the bench and learn how to weld and whatnot and put, put things together. And uh, he showed me how to put uprights together and the suspension. And then I got to work on the lathe and whatnot. And just basically, you know, and I obviously found that I could do that quite easy. Or not quite easy, but I uh, didn't, didn't struggle with it. And then I ended up going to Indy in 1967. So I guess I guess your main thing to start with was working on the Team Lotus Grand Prix yeah, cars. Yeah, Prix I was always helping on the on the cars, you know. Then Lotus Thirty Three, Jimmy was driving, and um, oh, Mike Spence, Pete Arundel, and then Graham came when we moved up to North in um, sixty. Yeah, we went up there in sixty seven, and um, I basically started my career there. Well, great place to start, and I guess before we get on to Indy, we should say working with someone like Jim Clark. Yeah, that was that was everyone. I thought I was in heaven there, and um, yeah, and and everybody there, all the guys were all young guys, Kiwis and Aussies and English guys and Irish and Scots. So it was a good mix of a team, and um, basically we climbed around all the time, forever. Bob Dance. The, Obviously, instigator of all the you know the things that we would get up to. I worked all the way through Lotus uh, 60, 65, 66, 67. And then nineteen sixty eight, Alan McCall asked um, or Jack Bradman asked Alan that you know he'd be interested in hiring him to build an Indy car. So Alan talked me into it, and we went to Jimmy. Had got killed by then so we decided well it's time to go so we went to Brabham's and um, went there and built a little replica car for rent uh, not successful it was a year too late but um, yeah it kept blowing up all the time so that we never really got anywhere with that and then um, I left there and went back to Lotus and then um, the Repco the next year I think Revson drove it and finished sixth in it. So um, that was that period over. I went back to Lotus when Rint was going back there. So I went back with him. Not with him, but because of that. And then we built uh, other ill-fated four-wheel drive cars. And um, went to Windy with him. And, you know, Mario crashed it. And... I ended up working with Mario uh, a week before the race. Well, that was the the first Indy win you were involved in, and, yeah. and as you say, he, he had that huge crash at Turn Four. I think yeah. a few days before, because it wasn't part of. I think the first weekend of qualifying was rained off, yeah. if memory serves. So it was all on so, the the last yeah. weekend, and then the uh, the Lotus sixty four yeah. primary car in. Unfortunately, in unfortunately, that there was a, a design failure in the hub where it broke, but. Up until then, Mario was just saying, boy, wait, wait till qualifying, I'm going to show these guys. He was just cruising with that car, mm. and he realized the potential of it. And then, um, lo and behold, the hub broke, and that was it. And we were we were through the cars. We tried to make new hubs to make it look like we were making an effort, but it wasn't going to happen. Mm. And and at that time, Rint and Graham, who were driving the other two cars, excuse me, had that big crash at Barcelona, mm. And they weren't feeling too, you know, they weren't in any mood. They hated the fact that um, 
these cars were, I mean, there's no time in them at all. And um, I could see the relief on their face when <laughs> they were withdrawn. But um, yeah, it was a shame. It did have a lot of potential, the car, but that was, so we withdrew the cars. I went to work with Mario and um, uh, we had a bit of a week at Indy, you know, before the race. Um, the he qualified good, and then in carburation day, when he was not running, the engine was overheating. So we bolted a radiator, which was on there before, but um, bolted it on and died in carburation day, and that was fine. And then all the complaints, you, know, you can't, well, you had to run what you actually qualified with. So they made us take it off, and then we're sitting around thinking, well, what do we do now? So I, with the help of Eddie Kuzman, I, we cut a hole in the bottom of the, the seat tank, put a radiator up in the seat tank, and um, plumbed it all up and just went into the race cold turkey, not knowing it was going to do the job, and it just did. Just kept the temperature where it needed to be. And that was the Hawk, wasn't it, that was yeah, the, the, the car that was just yeah. sort of pulled out as the, yeah. the spur. It's it surprisingly quick, wasn't it, because he qualified second. Oh, yeah, yeah, he was quick. And it, I mean, a very fast car, but it held... I mean, those two side tanks on it, you know, if you look at the wedge types, they were full of fuel. So it held about 90 gallons of fuel. So it was a very heavy, heavy car. Basically getting out of the pits with a two-speed gearbox. And um, and lo and behold, when we come in for the last stop, the pit behind us was Lloyd Ruby. And Ruby had been gaining on us and gaining on us. And he, we had no chance of beating him. He was on it. And then he had that problem pulled away with the fuel hose connected up and that lost his chance of winning. So then um, the racing gods were looking down at Mario that day. I guess they had to on one day at Indy because of yeah, course that well, was the only time <laughs> well, he won I, at Indy, amazingly. I, um, I take full credit for that race. <laughs> complete, Rightly so. Complete credit. So, but after the race, which is funny, that uh, the next day when everything is settled, Clint Broner took the back of the gearbox and... Um, it was only a two-speed gearbox, and the top gear, the, the running gear, had hardly any teeth left. Maybe one more lap, so it was right. It was a 500-mile car, and um, so he had lady luck on his side, two inches. Now, we, we interviewed him on, on this podcast um, two years ago at India, and he mentioned that, that the, yeah. the gearbox he could feel overheating because yeah. it was so, oh, yeah. so close. So uh. Yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> like I say, he, um, and then after that, the, the curse of Andretti happened. <laughs> they, never, they never ever no no that's it yeah exactly and so yeah. many so many times of course yeah. well was it was it basically a young mike uh, mario andretti yeah, yeah, so what, was, what was he like to, to was work great. with mario was great he was a, he was young i mean I, I was you think about him we were all real young but not you didn't really realize you were that young until you look back and go my god he was just a kid and um because when he sat on the pole in 1965, he was on pole position with that bra uh, the the Dean Van Lines, the bra or the Brabham actually, but it's a Brauner Hawk they called it. Um, uh, prior to that, a lot of the old boys told him that hey kid, you better slow down, or you you know you're just a rookie here. <laughs> and Mario says, I tell you guys, you better speed up because Mario's here. He knew how good he was. <laughs> That's what he told us. Well, history proved him, yeah. proved him oh, right. Well, he it? knew right away. He knew he he, would, he knew he had the goods to do it. And obviously, it seems like Indy's a race you 
you you kind of fell in love with and yeah. enjoyed being there. What was it like in those days? I think sixty seven you said was the first year you you went there. Obviously very different today. To I today. actually didn't like it. I didn't enjoy it. Because, oh, really? no, because of well, there was so much to do there and you wanted to go out and do that. We were working flat item mm-hmm. and both those lotuses were for some reason, as I found out later on, they, they were they didn't want Clark to win our hill. Mm-hmm. That was the major minds up they were not going to win another race, you know. And um, for some reason or other, we kept blowing our engines up all the time. And I mean, when you look back at the, the Lotus's history, they never had engine problems. And there was a couple of other things in the tires that the stagger that they never informed us about. So we went hunting and seeking in the wrong direction. But, um, that, you know, that, that, it was still a big shock to them for those guys coming over and, you know, stealing their, you know, prize race but but he was well respected and um and i always say jokingly that clark said that was the easiest race he ever won in his life <laughs> but that's only me joking <laughs> but so um yeah it wasn't it wasn't a good trip because it was hot the whole month and um the garages had no air conditioning and we were in and out changing springs and putting it on the scales and just continually messing with the car and then um, no time to do anything else. Mm-hmm. So that and we were slow and that was just that was it. wasn't It wasn't a nice deal. Sixty eight was about the same. That was worse nearly with a repco because we had to rebuild the engine every night in the garage, the rabbit and, and stuff. Uh, never just didn't work. And I felt sorry for Jack because he, he he's the world's nicest guy, best guy ever to work for. So he never got his justice there. And um, yeah, 69, once again, not a good time. The only time I had a good time at Indy was McLaren. Mm. That was organized. That was good. We had the car. We knew we had it. Copied of a basically a Lotus 72. And um, right out of the box, when we went testing, it was Denny Holmes said, whoops, this is it. And we had proper aerodynamics on it, real wings and front wings. And I'm surprised that they, even the guys were cl- that close to it because everybody started bolting it on wings, you know. And even Teddy Mayer, our, our fearless leader, he ends up giving Foyt one of our wings. How about that? <laughs> and Penske, one of our cars give our advantage away. I never understood that, but, um, you know, we should have uh, won that race. Peter had flu race day. That's what killed him. Yeah, he couldn't, he was completely locked in. We had to lift him out of the car after the race. And, um, yeah, he he was, he he was like a zombie there. If you look at the film of the last yellow with 20 laps to go, Al's leading and Peter's back here. And he's, he, he couldn't even, he was like that. You see him in the car. And Dan Gurney gets over the wall on the racetrack. He's pointing at Peter, get get up on his tail before the uh, the restart. And um, never, never, he just, he was lucky to finish second. Hmm. And the pressure of his whole family showing up there. They never, he never got on with his family. But when he's on pole position, for some reason, all the re- all the revs and showed up at the re- and he was uh, it was a little bit overwhelming for him, mm. but fantastic driver. Mm. 
No, another another very strong driver. There's some just great names. It's a litany of great names you're, yeah, and his you're pole, working with. Peter's pole day was an amazing story because he, when we died on Saturday morning of pole day, um, doing that hot laps in the morning, the car wouldn't run, completely wouldn't run. So we were in line and we thought, well, all hands on deck. So we're in line, we're pushing it up through the line, we're changing everything. Gary Knudsen and Roger Bailey and Huey and I, everything was taken off the car to, to, to find a glitch, you know. And um, when we had it all back together, we just got it back in time and we're waiting to go up under the ramp to do the final check. And uh, Donahue had got, he went out in pole position. And as he pulled in, and they're down there interviewing him and whatnot, and as Peter, we were all gathered around him, he says, um, guys, if this if this car works, I will, I'm will i going to burst his bubble. That was his <laughs> very word. And lo and behold, when he came out of turn four in his first lap, when you looked up the track, there was a whole group of people up there. They all stood up because their timing. They they knew he was he was on it. And um, yeah, he put four laps together, put her on the pole. Boy, when he got out, when he came in and took his helmet off, the veins were stuck up in his head. He had really. That's how you qualify. <laughs> you go for it. So um, yeah, that was a good. It was a good good month. We had a good time, and that's how we thought it should be. So um, and then after that, um, I left McLaren's, went to Gene White's and built the Atlanta cars for Lloyd Ruby and Kill Yarber, and then one went to Foyt. Mm. So um, that was that deal. And then when um, when Firestone quit, we left Gene White's and went down to Foyt's and built his four-time winning car. Mm. So that was a chapter in our lives. I'd done my tour of duty in Houston for four years. But yeah, I had a good time there. He was all right to work for. He was, Foyt. Yeah, as long as you were working for him. <laughs> he put on a bit of a show for the outsiders, you know, but he was he was okay. Mm. Good guy. And another another great driver name as well. Yeah. Yeah, hugely, hugely yeah. successful obviously, particularly at yeah. particularly at Indy. And then at, at Foyt's, well we ran um Jim McElreath drove the Atlanta car. We we put that together at Ford's. And we had three cars. George Snyder drove the other sister car to Ford's. And we looked after our little Atlanta car. And, um, yeah, it ran pretty good. It was a good, good car. You know, it was a copy of a McLaren, basically. And uh, where did we go from? So after that, after Ford... I went back to Indianapolis and started working at Jackie Howard's, building cars, making wings, fabricating, doing a lot of work for um, Patrick Grayson and whoever, whoever came along. We fixed lots of wrecks, built lots of wings. I was a full on, you know, never ever time and it wasn't work. And um, and I went back and forth and. Tried to find my. I went on my gap year, <laughs> California, <laughs> Newport Beach. Hung out with uh, all the bikers in Gene Woods, Gene Romero. They were all because they used to come to Indy and um, David Aldana and hung out with that crazy lot. And then came back to Indy, and actually went to work for Grant King. Mm. 
for a couple of years there doing building cars and helping and then there I went back to Howerton's and then to Roger Beck's and then to Hemelgarn. And then we won the won the race with Hemelgarn. Yes, that'd be ninety six, wouldn't it? Yeah, with, with Buddy Lazare. Yeah. And but I didn't like the IRL. One thing it was so noisy. God. <laughs> I mean they were. They were unbearable. I mean if you've been to a NASCAR race that's if you don't have the headset on, you can't even think of that, of that noise. So um, that was basically, and then I just started building stuff, helping guys out, and you know, had my little shop in Indy, and um, um, that was that was what my life was, hmm. making this, making that. I've done a lot of dragster stuff, fuel top fuel dragster wings and uh, sprint car wings. Yeah, I was the wing commander. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was, you know, basically. But Indy lost its appeal even after Buddy Lazier's deal. I didn't feel that that was that was right, you know, in the whole when everyone wasn't there. But that was a trying time in racing. Mm, yeah, bad for everyone. Split, know, it was bad it? for everyone. Tony Tony didn't take advice. He didn't listen to anybody. He was <laughs> he was well. He was going to show them. Yeah, Tony George definitely had a point to prove, didn't he? Yeah, he had a a point to prove, and he'd done it the wrong way. And that was at the height when 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 Bernie was really worried about IndyCar racing. And they were everyone was funded. They had all the great drivers, you know. You had, you had even the young guys were superheroes then. Not like now, for some reason, it lost that whole appeal. But the 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 year before they went to IRL, my God, that was a you know, you had Michael and Mario and, uh, you know, little Al and, but you had, you know, you had all the yeah, Young Jack Villeneuve, I guess, in 95. Yeah, Rick Mears, the whole deal. They were all, you know, they were all still part of the chain of the, the, the hero image that India has always created, you know. Mm. So when you go back now and you guys know, the only people they talk to is Parnelli and Foyt and Rutherford and, you know, they, they, they've got, the other guys got nothing to, you know the background. They don't have the background from sprint cars and and um, you know which Americans love. They love heroes. So you know there are heroes then were midget drivers, sprint car drivers who came to Indy and made good. I mean everybody from that era, the roadster era, every, all of them drove sprint cars and midgets. That was part of their, um, their way of life, and it was a tough one. You know, I said to Parnelli once. What, is, what what about Winchester? He said, he says, that scares me even thinking about it. He said, I went there because it was part of the championship, but I didn't like it at all. That was a half-mile bowl, you know. Yeah. Really. But, um, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do about, um, you know, heroes anymore. And everyone loves a hero. You, you, you can't not, you know. In Formula One, we've had so many heroes. It's, you know, and IndyCar. But um, I don't know how you get it back, or else it just becomes a one-day event, which it is. Mm. They'll have the, you know, we all love to go to Indy, but when you walk out there and there's no people in the grandstands, you know, and you know it's, you know, qualifying what twenty thousand people if you're lucky. Well, we used to get fifty thousand people every day at the racetrack, all having a good time, and you know, you couldn't walk anywhere near the garage area with people everywhere, and they just um, 
that that one split, that IRL deal, took away, you know, drove away a lot of fans, you know, and then the the different fighting between this and that, and I blame it all on Tony. I don't <laughs> care if they if they say whatever, but that's he started it, and never rectified it, and then um, the ill feeling, the hit, the hate between each other, the split, you know, that was um, never just never resolved. Well, to this day, still fairly yeah. facts. Yeah, well, he's not even involved anymore. I mean, they're coming up with what I was saying about this this um, qualifying deal. What is it, 25 and 8? Yeah, 25 and 8. Well, that's the Speedway in the old days would have said, get out of here, this is our track, we make the rules. Mm. And um, that shouldn't even be talked about. Mm. It's the same thing they did for the first IRL year, wasn't it, in 96, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Which and all those guys went, Berserk and that Penske and Ganassi are trying to amplify it and get it back in. Why? What's wrong with everybody? You get you know, there's there's no bump. There's there's going to be thirty three car thirty five a couple bump, but it's not that big a deal. You earn your way in there by being fast. That's it. No one's got the right to to tell him that. And the reason Tony did that was to piss Penske and the cart guys off. We'll show you. You're not getting in this show. There's only going to be a select. But it's a shame because it is and was the fantastic place to go. Still is, but it's like I say, it's lost. The, it's hard when you kill tradition, isn't it? Hmm. All the greatest sporting events in the world have got tradition. Kentucky Derby, the Grand National, Silverstone, you name them. They've all got it. They haven't lost it. The FA Cup, and when you lose your tradition, or you let somebody, then you lose the, you know, you lose the fans, and you lose what it's all about. The Isle of Man will never, ever lose its um, magic because we were talking about that earlier. Man and machine go out there, and that's it. See how fast you can go, and that's the same with Indy. You know, go out and qualify. Let's see how fast you can go. Don't have a, well, I don't even know what they're doing at Indy now. How, how that qualifying works, I haven't got a clue. What was wrong with the way they had it? It was brilliant. Everybody lined up and fans were there. Everyone's in line. Get out there and go for it. Now they have to have the fastest five with the, on this day. And a bump day on a, a Saturday. Or what, what, I don't know how they done that last year. <laughs> they reversed everything. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a shame to lose those. Lose those traditions, and then you're right. The, the IRL split, I guess, was the yeah. point where things start to fall. What, what do you remember about the '96 win? Because obviously Lazier is not one of these big names, but you know, a, a good driver. And it, it was difficult because he was wasn't he in a back brace still. Yeah, he had a yeah, he would, it was you know had to lift him in the car. He he he. Anyone said to me, well, it wasn't a real 500, but it was because there's 33 cars there, and they're all gas in it. And Buddy Lazier's time, the last 20 laps. I don't care who you were. You'd have, even if Rick Mears was in that race, he would have had to really step it up to keep up with that speed. You know, he had he had really clicked. Everything clicked. But that was a very lucky race for him because every pit stop, I was refueling, and I'm when I pull out and he takes off, and then I look down, I see the wheel pegs are lying on the ground. I thought, oh shit, there's only five of them on there. And I picked him up so the USAC guy couldn't see him. And I told Kuzma, I says, tell him when he comes in for the next stop, not to gas it. Let us push him out because he's snapping the wheel pit. Comes in for the next stop, 
rear wheel off, wham, another one there. So, oh, oh, <laughs> we're down there. So he snapped three. There was only two on there. And he kept saying, buddy, buddy, don't drop the clutch. Let us push you out. So he um, he got the message, and um, it, was a, it was just lady luck was his way. But he drove a great race for the and for the injury he was in, you know the back injury. I think he done pretty good. But don't take it away from him. It wasn't a believe me. It was a good win. He would have been there with all of them. They had to been there. So um, yeah. But he's strange little man, old buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and a, a great fan of Indy. So I think his last Indy five hundred was a couple of years ago. Yeah. Still having a go. <laughs> so that was basically my life in IndyCar racing. Mm-hmm. Well, why, why do you spend so much time in the US? Well, I, I went there because of IndyCar racing. That was it. No other reason. I spent 45 years there. And then it got to a point where, you know, I wanted to come home anyway and see what happened. Well, I come home and got married. <laughs> <laughs> We won't talk about that. <laughs> no, it was perfect. It worked mm-hmm. out fine. Mm-hmm. And then we put this little house here, and I was able to put my shops in. Off I go. The first job I got was that tub up there, Jody Schechter's tub. That was my first first job oh, yeah, coming yeah. home here. Yeah, I should say in your workshop, we've got a big uh, line of photos, all sorts of, I mean, star names and cars. Just yeah, fantastic history. A lot of the stuff that I worked on and built you know this will be for patrick de Pallier's march f2 car okay which is uh, someone's getting it back to life and um it's going to run i think they're having a, a a meeting in france for him and whatnot but i do a lot of formula 2 stuff hmm. a lot of formula 2 wings and a lot of um a lot of formula 1 vintage so um as long as there's race drivers around that need what I call driver aids. <laughs> Front wing and rear wing, that's our driver aid. They can't drive without them. And they're usually the first thing to whack. Well, well Indy was better because you didn't get away with it. You're gonna get you're gonna get the lot. <laughs> I mean look at Indy as, as a race. They always say it's a race that that chooses you to win, but yeah. it's also a race that you go out and oh, win, don't oh, you? Yeah, you know, you the, can, the preparation you, level required. Yeah, well, even going back. Well, to build a five, yeah, build a car to run five hundred miles, but the driver mindset is is um, important as well. If you uh, if you know how good you are, and you're patient, like Rutherford when he started last and won the race, well, he was patient. He knew how long. You know, he knew a five hundred mile race. He wasn't going to do it all, burn his tires up. He just clicked those guys off, you know, one after the other, and the race came to him, and he knew that. But um, you know, like Al Unser, he's uh, he's as smart as a he. He the race comes to him. He's he's never he's never been a contender to win that until the last twenty laps, and all of a sudden here he comes up on the on the leaderboard. Where did he come from? He just bides his time and um, you know doesn't abuse the car. Like I say, it's Michael. The year he should have won, he had two lap lead. You know, and thrashed that car, and he kept telling him, slow it down, Michael. Nah, go for it, you know. <laughs> and then um, ended up junior winning with a... Yeah, no, yeah, 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 yeah. Which was a 
bit of a toilet anyway, but <laughs> it, it was it was there at the right time. Yeah, you know, it was there, the lady of luck, and and you you probably are better being lucky than good at indie. Hmm. I guess Mario Andretti is a good example. Yeah. I mean, example look, of that. Thing. Look at how many times he he should have been a four time winner, easy, but um, but very gracious man. Spoke to him was it last week. Hey, jockey, how you doing? <laughs> I go, who's this? Mario, what do you think? <laughs> but his voice had changed, you know. So we had a little chat about this and that. Yeah, he'll always bring that up. He'll always remember that that was the, the one time in his life where everything changed. When he won that, and he was, uh, you think about Mario, was so popular with everybody. Basically, kids all loved Mario. I think it's because he was small. The kids all related to him and, and whatnot. But he was very gracious winner. Mm. And um, and he still is, you know. It's time for everybody. Yeah, and um, still driving in the two-seater, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. And I hope they, they honour him correctly at India. I hope they do a good job on him. He, he deserves it. Mm. You know, Floyd's got enough. They've given him more than... <laughs> God, he's uh, given him a, his own bronze bricks now. But, um, yeah, so I can always have a, a thought about every time the media was talk about Indy and the drivers and whatnot, and they forget about one thing. The guys who put the heads on the trophy, I keep saying, that they never, ever get any, you know, they don't get any accolades at all. And you know what it's like, mechanic, if you haven't, without the car, there's nothing. It starts mm. with a car. John Zimmerman. I said, John, you wouldn't have a job unless we built race cars. Oh, no, that's not the way it is. I said, it is. It's all about the car. Remember the movie, The Betsy? Hmm. That was one of the great scenes in it with um, when Laurence Olivier, who was given his son for his birthday present, uh, he gave him the car, the Betsy, he built it for him. And then he gave him all the stocks and shares, and you see the kid with all the shares. And would be, he never even looked at the car. And the old man goes, "It's the car. It's the car. What are you thinking?" And they didn't get it. You know, that, that's what made those stocks and shares. I was wondering, what what was it like working with with this man, Jim Clark? Yeah, perfect. You knew if the car was right, he was going to get in and win the race and pole position usually. He was so easy, it was not. Jackie Stewart said of him once, and he was explaining, he said, he said, I even have it. He said, the reason that we're so good is because we see things that look like they're in slow motion. And because they're in slow motion, we go faster and we don't know our limits. And, and he said, Jimmy Clark always had that he, he never had to, very rarely had to run 10 tenths or even he was just, that came, it was just a natural thing, you know. And uh, he, he proved it time and time again. So, um, and at Indy, it wasn't that big a deal for him. It really wasn't. He adapted straight out there. Most guys do that can drive race cars. Jackie was good there as anybody. But uh, Graham struggled because of he didn't like the place. And if you don't like it, you're not going to go. Mm. It's not not going to happen, you know. 
But Although he, the race came to him. Yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, <laughs> <laughs> which is an interesting question in itself. Still, one one thing about that race <laughs> that, that that I do know that, and that Colin Chapman took Cyril Audrey, who was the RAC timekeeper, mm. with him and his secretary. And they all set up. They had their charts and their stuff, and they scored the race, and their score was right. And USAC said no. We've scored it this way. And then there was a bunch of girls I knew that hung out there. There was six of them. Went to every race and they, um, they scored all the Indy 5 and they said, look, we don't miss. We, we're sitting. We girls got Jim Clark a lap ahead of Graham Hill. Simple as that. I think they missed him when he, he spun in turn four. Mm. And you can see him. He goes up and he's got, and he stalled the car. And it's, he's ha- hung up in the bank. Waiting for everybody again. You see him. He lets the brake and he rolls down, boom, 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 catches it, and then he goes into the pits. Because he didn't come by on the track, they missed him. Mm. So he came in, changed tires, and went died again. And I think that's where they missed him. Because mm. too many people who have scored that race, and Cyril Audrey and those guys didn't miss. Believe me, you don't. They they don't um, they don't miss score a race like that. But I think a lot, a lot to do with them, uh, who it was. Jimmy didn't want him to win another race. Didn't, um, you know, George Bignotti on the American car, and uh, that was just it. Mm. And then the other one, uh, uh, Parnelli's win. I mean, that was another Clark. He should have been black flagged. And, I mean, if you've ever looked at Jimmy, you see he's completely black. With oil coming out of Parnelli's car, yeah, and um, that would have been his third win, but um, didn't work that way. <laughs> but after that race in '63, was it Parnelli? Three, yeah, it had to be '63. He he was a little upset with that, but he was very good friends with Parnelli. He never begrudged him the win mm. or anything. But he just he did come in the garage. They said afterwards, and, and the next day when he came into the, and he said, "I'm going to stay here for a week. Let's can we get a car ready for Trenton, or Milwaukee? I'm not sure which one." And he went there and spanked him. I think it was Milwaukee. Next, Milwaukee. Wasn't it? Yeah, he went one. one he one came lap. up. He came up to lap four with um, about ten laps to go, and he just and he backed off. He wouldn't. He wouldn't mm. do it. He he didn't want to embarrass him, which is fine. <laughs> but. Um, yeah, he was. Oh, we used to get into some good Barneys with Foyt. We were down there having a few beers. And Foyt saying, that Clark wasn't wasn't that bad a driver. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I think he was I think he was compatible to anybody around at the time. But I think there was a lot of, you know, the, the, the roadsters were gone. That was, the writing was on the wall. And there was a, a bit of a, you know, the limeys as they call them, coming over here, stealing our glory and whatnot. I think it was that part of it. And a lot of people didn't like, <coughs> a lot of steam that didn't like green for a start. And, um, you know, it was anything they could do to, to, you know, put a thorn in their side. I think they did. But, um, yeah, but they all respected Clark. He was a different. Did that, uh, the kind of animosity towards the Europeans going oh, in, yeah. spread to yeah. 
to you guys and the, do you have problems with some of the some of the locals um no not really in McCann, but um they, they did in a way you know they, they just didn't i think they were more upset because the roadsters had died hmm. that was one thing that really really because those guys were still into the roads and then all of a sudden bingo the light went out on them and then all the guys said i'm not going to do a readings and car well the next year most people had them you know there was only one roadster heard of he's kept that fly going i think maybe gordon john cock may have been the last competitive guy to run a roadster didn't he um after foyd had won and whatnot but um and that was it that really hurt Really, because the roads to remember was the epitome of India. You built it, you buy a Watson, or and you, that was your car. You built your India, you done everything. You showed up at Indy the correct way with your car and driver, and went died and raced. Mm. That lost us, lost all that bit, and it killed us. You know, as fabricators, we were building, you know, uh, race cars, lots of parts and stuff, and then all that went south when. Delara came on the scene. And then they built these cars that don't really look that nice, do they? They're not pleasing to the eye in the modern world, you know. I keep posting on Facebook that Brabham, Gordon Murray's Brabham, the Lo- Mario's Lotus and mm. whatnot. I said, look, if you got a spec car, when you make it pretty, make it nice. They, they don't see that mentality. If you're doing a spec car, you can do any design you want. So why not make it... And I said, why don't you hire Gordon Murray to pencil you one up? You know, as a, a nice looking. You don't, I don't like these futuristic things with bent wings and bent deals and, you know, like uh, Formula Electric or a little bit. And they're missing the boat too. They should have a, you know, a much better looking car than what they've got. And I think the, the viewing public like to see cool looking race cars. It is a shame if you go to somewhere like Indy that, it, that there's the yeah. the whole car design side just vanished, doesn't it? It's Can you imagine uh, some like a three twelve Ferrari would look like at Indy? You know, I mean, <laughs> or cool that would look, or any any uh, old Formula One cars from that era. You know, the Chaparral was the last really good looking car there. Mm. It was, you know, and nobody copied that concept. That was around for a while, you know. Nobody thought, wait a minute. I was looking them right in the eye, you know, what they needed. But, um, yeah, I, I I just felt really sad that Indy is the way it is, and um, and I don't know how you would change it. I have no idea, because it's in the, in the hands of people who are not race car people, or they're all businessmen looking out for, you know. Indy used to have no advertising, you knew in the month of May you showed up in Indianapolis there was going to be a race. You bring your car and that was it. It was never advertised. There was probably about 30 people in the front office that ran that show with the biggest crowds, you know. I mean, my God. And now there's 400 people working there or something, all bumping into each other, all trying to do something. Get a, let's get a rock band here. Let's do this. Let's do that. It's not what a spot. Not about that at all. When, when was the last time you worked at Indy? The last time I worked at Indy was on Buddy Lazier's car. Okay. Yeah, that was it. And so 96 was the last one? Yeah, uh, on a car, but I still worked in around yeah, y- yeah. you know, in the shops doing my own thing. But that was the last actual time. Mm-hmm. Then after that, I, I didn't... Well, the next year, 
so Buddy, when Buddy ran, he ran a car, you know, we ran the Reynard cars. Was, they hadn't, IRL hadn't really started their new yeah, program. Yeah. And then the next year, when they fired those things up, you couldn't, it was, it, it, it disorientated. You, you, you couldn't hear yourself, you know, you didn't know what. And I said to Lee Kuzma, I said, hey, Lee, I'm not coming to these anymore. Well, you're the fuel. I said, no, I can't handle this. This is not. This is not what I. I'll work back at the shop, which I did, but I'm not. I'm not coming to these anymore. Sorry. <laughs> but they were horrendous, you know. I mean, the the turbos were nice sound, but they were nothing like a, you know, twenty five Chevrolet's fire. Well, it was NASCAR, just the same, same deal. Well, it's been fascinating to hear your hear your stories, but just while we're finishing, is there a is there a greatest moment, a proudest moment from your time at Indy that springs to mind? Yes, driving Danny and Guys's station wagon into the swimming pool at the at at the Classic Motor Lodge <laughs> by accident or design? No, just in front of a full audience of drunken. <laughs> Into the bottom, but my proudest moment. <laughs> uh, well, I, I still think my McLaren did because I had so many bad times in Indy. But going with going with McLaren, a car you'd help build, and uh, you know, uh, right out of the box, fast, and made life so much easier. And you know, we had a that was pretty much. But maybe building the Gene White cars because we had built. I didn't know if we could build them or not. We were just young guys, and we took it on, built three of them. They all finished, you know, at Indy in the top ten. So that's basically, you know, there's so many moments, you know, you can say. But I think personally it's what you get out of what you've done yourself, but, you know, the work you've done and, um, you know, and continued to keep a lot of the, the things rolling at Indy, you know, my part. When they were crashing, I was making wings, and I think I'd done Tom Sneva. I think it was three in one week. <laughs> pow, 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 in that green car. What was his name? Anderson looked after it. Sneva was hitting the wall, and it was a little tiny wing that he was running. I called it a postage stamp. But, um, yeah, just keeping keeping a lot of the guys going and working, you know, working on IndyCar. Mm. That's what we did. And everybody, um, everybody admired it and appreciated it, and um, there was lots of us doing it. You know, most teams had good fabricators. And saddest part is no one continued the trend. Mm. It's a dying trade, and it's not, you know, shame it. But the only, you know, unless you're in vintage world, you know, there's nothing you can do in indie cars. Everything you have to buy and mm, sanctioned and stamped, and you can't do anything on those cars. I don't know why they've, I mean, the most innovative track in the world, and they killed the, the, the thing that made it famous. Mm. Bring your car along, come on, and if it goes through the box and it wears the same deal and it complies the rules, run it. Mm. You know, like the turbine, that was a great innovation. Yeah. It was wonderful to see that they allowed that. And I mean, that was what Indy was, you know, all about. The interest and people had interest in looking at different cars and different ideas and yeah, in that regard, you probably had a, a very good spell in terms yeah, of yeah, yeah. I and mean, we would always go to Long Beach in the early days, fly with Robin Miller and I and the guys. We would always go to every Grand Prix we went to. Robin had all the 
credentials, and we would look, Gordon Barrett, now who we just spoke to, would get a lot of ideas. You'd think, God, look at this stuff, you know, and all the, and that was the, that was the Williams, the FW07, the Brabham's, the Lotuses, all the cool cars with her, the Ligiers, the Ferraris. Lots to look at and get ideas from. Mm. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a special time, you know. Well, it's been fascinating to hear some of the stories. I'm sure could have gone on for, for many hours. We won't take up too much of your time. So you've got, you've got work to do. Please check out autosport.com for all the latest news on Formula One and the whole rest of the world of motorsports. Our plus subscriber area, where for a small monthly fee, you can read allegedly the world's best motorsport journalists. Check out sister title F1 Racing Magazine out monthly and motorsport.com. And if you fancy a flutter, download the Pit Stop Betting app. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back soon with another Autosport podcast. Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com forward slash Trilo Music. redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.